Are you interested in learning more about body sugaring? Or are you a sugar professional who already knows how to sugar, but you are looking for better ways to kick up your business? Welcome to the Sugar Show Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon the Sugar Mama. And as a fellow SD who learned to sugar 11 years ago and tripled my solo skincare business, I want to share not only my sugaring wisdom, but introduce you to my network of friends who are masters in their fields and want to help you expand your sugaring business. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to this business episode of The Sugar Show. I'm Shannon, your sugar mama, and I have back with me the fabulous Kanisha Coleman. Hi, mama. Hey, how are you? I'm glad to be back to talk to all the sugar pros out there. Thank you for having me again. Oh, you are welcome. I am really, really looking forward to this three-part series with you where we really want to dial it back and answer the questions that our audience has had, which is pretty specific. So you put together a, a little kind of mini course on the Sugar Show for us to really help us educate the, the beauty industry and specifically sugaring professionals on these topics. So the beauty CPA is in the house. I am. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So this first episode really scales it back for those people that are wondering how to classify themselves, but also for those that are, have been classified and aren't sure if they're in the right, if they have the right label and kind of what to do in the future, right? So this first episode is about being an employee or an independent contractor, which we are one of one of the two, right? So help us to understand, Kanisha, first of all, is this the same in all states, this information? Okay. It, it's really not, right? So each state will have their own rules on how to classify a worker as an employee or an independent contractor. But I would say that the states really look to the federal test. So the IRS has like a 20 point test that you can use to determine whether a worker is, uh, whether you are an independent contractor or whether you're an employee, okay? And so what the states have done was look to that as kind of like guidance and they have shaped their own rules. I can tell you for sure, I know uh, California, you know, California is always like a stickler when it comes to uh, tax and employee rights. And so they, again, look to the states, but then has used their own law and, sh and shape what their statute is. Um, so always look to your specific state. N please know that they are piggybacking off of the federal rules as well. That's good to know because it's pretty cut and dry. And so we're going to walk through an employee, whether you work for a sugar salon or work for a salon and you happen to be sugaring. And then we're going to talk about an independent contractor. And then we'll talk about being a booth renter. So let's start out with an employee. How do you know if you're an employee? Let's talk the employee world? Yeah. So the employee world really is going to be if a worker, um, usually the worker, if you're in a classified as an employee, you're going to have uh, either a straight hourly rate or you could have a, a yearly salary. Okay. Um, when it comes to, you know, how you are, are paid, you know, you're going to get a W-2 because 
the salon or spa owner is uh, your employer. So you should be getting a W-2. Um, in addition to being hourly or, or salary, though, you could be paid on a commission or there could be like a hybrid of, of both. But that, again, is up to the salon or spa owner. Um, all of your taxes will be withheld by the salon or spa owner. So you don't have to really worry about withholding because they're going to do all of that for you. Um, one of the big ones, though, and one of the big ones why a salon or spa owner really kind of grapple with this, um, why, how should they classify is when it comes to the payroll tax. See, if you are an employee, the employer, so the salon or spa owner, they should be paying half of your federal and state payroll taxes, right? And so just think about it, right? If you're the owner and you're trying to like, you know, save money on taxes, mm -hmm. it would benefit you to classify the worker as an independent contractor. And I'm sure we'll get into that, that classification next. But, you know, when you're an independent contractor, they don't have to pay half of it. All of it will fall on you, the worker. So that's why it's really important. Um, when you're an employee... I mean, I'm telling you guys, you will feel it because it's really big on control. That's what all this boils down to is control. If you're an employee, your schedule is set by the owner, right? The, you have to follow the salon rules and regulations, certain like trainings and structure and procedures of the salon, right? Dress code. Can't come in there looking like whatever you want. You probably got to adhere to some type of dress code. Um, it's really about control and you'll feel it. Can you come and go as you please? Can you do what you want? Can you service your clients how you want? Can you use whatever products you want, right? If all of that is stipulated and controlled by the owner, you're likely an employee. Yeah. You know, I want to address that really quick, Kanisha, on a side note, because I think some people feel like being an employee is bad. Like, mm -hmm. oh, they control me. Oh, they tell me what to yeah. do. But I really honestly think that you all need to consider the employee model, unless you're going on to start your own place, is with the employee model, you do have a schedule where you know you're responsible for that time. You do kind of step it up and make sure that, you know, you adhere to the dress code. It's some people like that structure and they like that somebody else is pulling their taxes and all they have to do is, you know, their taxes at the end of the year, they're not having to mess with all that. Yeah. You don't have to mess with buying product and sales tax and all of that. There are a lot of folks that have left being an independent contractor for the stability of being an employee. So it's not a bad thing. No. And I don't think that you're suggesting that by a long shot, but I think some people feel like, well, I don't want anyone to control me. I need to do my own thing. Right. But it really is kind of nice to have somebody else handle that, to have workman's comp, to have some of those protections that you get as an employee, especially moving forward in the next bunch of years. So I think it's really critical to understand if your boss or the person that owns the shop is running the place where they control you, but they're trying to make you an independent contractor or booth renter, that's not allowed. Yeah, no, no. Because one thing, one thing I like that you mentioned that when I say control, I do not have any negative connotation to it at For all. For sure. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. literally like the word in the statute. But just think of it this way, like who bears the risk, right? Who bears the risk? If it's the, the spot or salon owner, 
you're likely an employee because you've passed off that risk of the services you provide on to them. And they're responsible for all of the things that Shannon just listed, you know, but, but if you bear the risk, then that's when, you know, you're likely not an employee and likely you're independent contractor or self-employed. Yeah. So let's talk about the independent contractor. What are kind of how, who falls into that category? Okay, so the independent contractor usually is paid like on a a straight rate negotiated between the worker and the owner, right? So you'll come together and you'll agree upon um, a rate that you'll be paid. So let's, let's be clear that this is a mutual agreement. This is not the owner telling you this is how much I'm paying you and then you have no choice. You have a choice to negotiate or walk away, right? This is not like an employee where you're getting paid $15 an hour and that's it. This is a mutual agreement between person and owner. And then you usually, you know, memorialize that in a, a formal contract. You know, you make sure you read that through. You also could be paid on commission or hybrid of the two. Now, at the end of the year, that owner should be giving you a form 1099. And that form 1099 will report all of the money that you've been paid by that salon or spa owner throughout the year the owner is not going to take out any taxes for you that's going to be your responsibility and they're not going to pay any payroll taxes on your behalf again that's your responsibility and you guys should be doing that quarterly i know i went off on a tangent um before about this but please pay your quarterly estimated taxes so that you are not surprised at the end of the year. That's your responsibility. Um, And again, think of yourself as like you're a business owner, right? So the salon spa owner, they'll of course provide the facility, right? They'll probably even provide the products, but there's still some expenses that you're going to incur on your own and you should be keeping track of those. So that when you file your tax return, that you can get the the benefit, tax saving benefits of all the expenses you incurred as an independent contractor for the things not paid for by the salon spa owner. Some of the huge mistakes that I have seen made in the past is um, beauty entrepreneurs will get a 1099 and they will put it just on the other income line on their tax returns, not on like a schedule C, right? The difference is when you put it on the other income line, you can't reduce it by any of the expenses you've incurred versus when you put it on a schedule C, you can lower that amount by all of your expenses and therefore save money. So don't think of yourself just as a worker who gets a 1099, you're a business owner and Mm -hmm. you should run your operation as such. Yes. So in California, we are very strict here. And in California, it's, it's very difficult to be an independent contractor and you actually, you either are an employee or in essence, a booth renter. So talk about what a booth renter means, like in comparison, Mm -hmm. even to an independent contractor, what's a booth renter in comparison? Absolutely. And I want to say that I love California for that because what it does is, is now the lines are not blurred in any way. That's true. It makes it more so black or white, no gray, right? So a booth renter is basically just leasing space out of the salon or spa owner's overall building or facility. They are leasing space. They are paying them rent either weekly or monthly. And, And that's it. That's their relationship. They have a landlord and tenant relationship 
and that is all. So when clients come in to see you and they're going to pay you for the services or products you're providing, you should be taking that revenue and it's going right in your bank account. It's not passing through the hands of the Solana spa owner at all. You are the business owner. And so therefore you are responsible for um, accounting for all your income. You can take all of your expenses um, and, all, and then you're responsible for all of your taxes as well. At the end of the year, you should be giving the salon spot owner a 1099. You're giving them a 1099 for all of the rent that you paid them throughout the year. Now, the rules on 1099 is if you paid someone um, that's unincorporated $600 or more, you have to give them a 1099. And that's what all of you should be doing because um, I'm pretty sure you've paid them at least $600 or more for renting their space. And so, and there is a, a steep penalty on not issuing the 1099. So um, booth rent renters, I love that because it is not, there's no question as to whether you're an employee or not, right? Um, you run that as if you are, well, not as if you are a small business owner. Yeah. Everything falls to you. The risk, the licenses, the the establishment license with the state board, all the products, all the everything falls on you, but you have to be really, really, really mindful that you are a business owner and you have to take the taxes out and you, you know, it's a, it's a big, big undertaking, even if it's just one little treatment room, you know? So ask yourself if that's what you want to do, if you want to be an independent business or if you kind of like the structure, because here in California, it's one or the other in, in plenty of other states, there's, there's kind of three ways to do it, but really asking yourself, you know, which, which category you fall into. And it's pretty clear for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want to say, I want to add just one little tidbit, right? So, you know, I could see both parties, salon spot owner and um, worker, whether you're an employee, independent contractor, or a booth renter taking advantage of this here uh, situation of worker classification, right? Yeah. So, you know, the salon spa owner, they want to run their business and they want to have some uniformity and continuity, right? But that in no way means that they can dictate your schedule, right? Yeah. Or be very strict and stringent on how you run your business if you're an independent contractor or um, a booth renter. But then on the flip side, independent contractor or booth renter, you, you can't just completely take advantage of the situation either, right? Mm -hmm. So as a funny, funny story, it was a booth renter um, and she would regularly come into uh, my client's salon and she would have on like sheer t-shirts where you could see her nipple piercings or whatever, you know, no, 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 no. Salon spa owners don't have to put up with that. They can terminate the lease contract. And both parties can go their separate ways, yeah. right? So don't, you know, I don't want you to guys to think like, oh, I'm a mover and I can do whatever I want. No control over me. Yeah, we still got to be professional mm. because situations can still can be terminated if there's not some, you know, common sense professionalism. Yeah. And really, that's a great point to make sure that you have that discussion with whomever you're leasing space from or being employed by to have that conversation of what expectations are in the very beginning and have it in writing for sure. Mm -hmm. So what are some like internal tests that we can like ask ourselves mm -hmm. just to understand where we fall? How do, how can we make that easier? 
Mm -hmm. I, I think, again, just having your mind control, right? So as you think about a day in the life, right? Think about your typical day going to work. Do you have a schedule? Like, do you have to be punched in by eight or nine or whatever, right? Do you, can you take a break when you want to? Um, can you wear whatever you want to? When you come in to provide the service, are you setting your own rate or do you have to go by the salon's rate, right? Or if the salon is having a promotion or if they have coupons or whatever, do you have to follow that? Or can you, you know, choose to opt out and get whatever money you want from the product or service, right? When you are, when you're sugaring, can you bring in your own products to use or do you have to use the salon? You know, things like that. Do you have um, independence of how you operate? And think of it very, uh, think of it like very, very, just the small things. If you can't even take a 15 minute break, I'm going to tell you right now, you are not an independent contractor. Right, okay? right. Okay. So um, things like that, just your daily in and out. Just think of it that way. If you do not have, control i wish there was a better word but if you don't have the choice of doing certain things when where and how you want you likely are an employee because that's dictated by your employer and what, what i want to encourage you guys is to um a lot of a lot i see a lot of beauty entrepreneurs they come out and they're just so excited to get started and to get that experience and to have that interface with an established salon but do not let them take advantage of you because they will use that circumstance to get their way. Mm -hmm. All of this is very important. Employee versus independent contractor is because you as an employee, you have rights, mm -hmm. you have rights and they cannot, you know, um, they cannot take advantage of that. You know, uh, for, for example, you know, employees have overtime rights. Mm -hmm. If you're working like super duper long hours and you have to do that, you have to be paid the overtime rates versus your base rate. If you're classified as independent contractor. The employer doesn't have to follow any of those rules. Yeah. True story. You know, I love that, you know, you've really broken those three things down and you can really guide us all to make the right decision, whether we're a shop owner and need to figure out how to, you know, classify the people that work in our facility, or you are an independent contractor and you're trying to figure out if you should have been an employee or you should have been a booth renter, like how that goes. Mm -hmm. It's now is the time to take a look at your contracts, take a look at your lease, figure out what you are, take a look at those federal guidelines, make sure that you are going by them in your state guidelines and that you are really prepared because it's all about proper preparation to make sure that we are going to be super strong and sweet in 2021. So thank you, Miss Kanisha for episode one. And in the next episode, we are going to talk about how to pay yourself if you are an independent contractor or a booth renter, because it's very, very critical to understand how to do that because we want to get paid. We want to make sure that we're doing everything right though. So Kanisha, I will see you in episode two and audience. Thank you for joining. I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information, visit us at www.love2sugar.com. 
or our Facebook page, Love to Sugar, where our community has come together to help you be a better sugaring professional. Cheers to your sweet success. Hello, beauty professionals and sugar professionals. This is Shannon, your sugar mama. I am really, really proud of this community and how hard everyone works all the time. And I want you to all know that there are so, there's so much education out there for all of you. And if you're kind of on the fence, you're not sure if you want to sugar, um, you want to just kind of see what the sugar thing is all about. We have a free Facebook group. We also, if you're ready to start sugaring, we have our basic certification course. And if you're an advanced sugar pro and you really got it all down, just need help with your business, maybe your technique, maybe some ideas, maybe some encouragement, we have the Sugar Tribe for you as well. So check any of the links in our show notes. They're pretty specific on all of the things that we have to offer as well. You can always go to our website, love the number two and sugar.com. Everything you need to know is there from podcast episodes to a directory of sugaring professionals to information, advanced knowledge library. There's so much on there. So I look forward to meeting you at some point in the future. But until then, here are all the things that you can do to get yourself involved with sugar.